Today's episode of The Mask Man Show is brought to you by SeatGeek. They're our presenting sponsor, and they're the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. Other sites have gone back to that same old tactic of showing you a lower price and then charging huge fees at checkout. But at SeatGeek, the price you see is always the price you pay. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You'll know exactly how much you're paying, where you're sitting, and whether or not you're getting a good deal all right from your phone. So drop your old site and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be, brother. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Ooh, yeah. And also, we're brought to you by... For over 20 years, DirecTV has been the exclusive home to NFL Sunday Ticket, the only way to get every live game every Sunday. I got good news for NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an apartment or if you're an enrolled college student, you can get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. To see if you're eligible, go online to nflsundayticket.tv. Stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season and follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use the promo code RINGER at checkout and save 10%. Okay, guys, we've got a really jam-packed show today. First up are Dave Schilling and Sam Donsky to run down SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver. And then at the end, we have a very special interview uh, with the director and close friend of the show, Robert Green. He's a big wrestling fan, and he's got a documentary you have to see. He's gotten awards from Sundance, man. What have you done with your life? Stick around for that. First up, Donsky and Schilling. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm David Shoemaker, sometimes AKA the Masked Man, and I'm joined here today by two of my very favorite people. <laughs> Dave Schilling, how you doing? Pretty good, man. And I forgot my deodorant. Really? Yeah. I sorry. forgot my glasses. I'm podcasting. <laughs> For everybody out there, I'm podcasting in, in prescription sunglasses today. So this is full heel shoemaker mode. And also, Ringer staff writer. Is that the right title? It's good. Sam Donsky in his virgin appearance on uh, on the Masked Man Show and also on Ringer Podcast in general. Is that this right? This is my first podcast ever. Oh, I've wow. not even spoken out loud that many times um, before. So, this is... <laughs> so apologies, apologies in advance to all the people listening to this. Sam is learning to talk before our very ears. <laughs> Welcome to Channel 33, Sam. You've been doing a bang-up job for the website. Thank you. This is great. Um, it's a big week. It's it's SummerSlam week. Um, the Both Raw and SmackDown were... Um, Fun and sort of uneventful, as showing you 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 have a rant prepared on this. I can see it. I can see the I can see the passion behind your eyes. I have my iPad out and it's all written down. Um, I just every month the Go Home Show is so formatted and structured in such an obvious way. Yeah, where you have to have you know an in ring confrontation. You have to have somebody doing color commentary and then a run in. You have to have uh, a sneaky finish to set up a six-man tag or a six-person tag. All these things that it's just it's boring to watch. The pay-per-view, the show after the pay-per-view is always great because anything is possible. Right. But there's so, uh, it's, it's such a finite uh, sort of world that you're playing in when it's the week before a pay-per-view. It's totally true. I mean, there's, for all that, they tried, that, they've, that they've tried and managed to change over the past month since the draft, um, and the brand extension, whatever, it's there's a very limited number of possibilities for a go-home. Well, at least in, in the WWE kind of, you know, like visual vocabulary, there's a limited number of things you can do in a go-home show. It's hard for that to change. It also felt like they went from 
this is fresh to this is the same old very quickly. Like I, at the end of Raw, I was I was rains on top. And yeah. I started the show with a promo that had well, some bad jokes, and I was like, where where are we now? I remember. A specific, I, had a, I had a flashback to the to CM Punk's heyday this week when there was the there was the kind of common refrain amongst smart fans like us uh, that even though Punk was the champ, C, John Cena was closing shows. You right. know, like even when he wasn't involved in the in the CM Punk angle, and that's what this week sort of reminded me of because John Cena and Roman Reigns closed both Raw and SmackDown or SmackDown and Raw respectively. Um, I don't know. Should we read anything into that? I don't think so. Uh, I know if with Raw, the rating is kind of peak in the middle because mm-hmm. people lose interest in a three-hour television program yeah. that's not like the NFL. Um, so I think that it's not that big of a deal that Roman's closing the show. It's more troubling to me that he's opening the show, mm-hmm. uh, that he's the first face that you see when you tune in, especially for a feud that is predicated on uh, him being mad that two people got married. <laughs> That's what he, he's like. How dare you marry him? I, I, you know, on the one hand, I don't mind. I think this is a perfect feud for Roman Reigns at this right for right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's great for Rusev, and I don't mind it being over something as silly as a wet. I mean, listen, wedding angles. I wrote about it at Grantland. They're 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 part of the part of the fabric of pro wrestling, and they're and it's they're used generally sparingly enough that it's always kind of fun and interesting. The problem is when you try to somehow convey that that is a serious angle you know i mean it's a this is a fine sort of throwaway mid-card like almost comedy bit but then when you just when that becomes like a real like serious i want to beat you up angle it it doesn't quite it doesn't quite read for me yeah it's quite strange i i feel like that should have been a closed angle that they opened and shot on the raw two weeks ago yeah and then this week doing the lana's honor stuff that doing sort the of, match that was doing giving away what the match the hell was and that not a short match i don't and a clean finish again i don't mind the I, I don't mind it just because it's a little bit different but but you're right the logic is lacking yeah, I don't have any interest in seeing that again, unless Rusev destroys him like Brock and Cena a couple Wait, years ago at SummerSlam. Did we like the match? I did not think that was a good match. I didn't care. It was a throwaway to me. It was like, why am I watching this? It's hard. It's hard to really engage when you're feeling when you feel like it's gonna be a light version of the match that you're gonna see in a week, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a great match. I think that. I, I, I like both I like Reigns and, and Rusev both as wrestlers. I, it's going to be interesting yep. to see what kind of chemistry they have on a, on a stage like SummerSlam. But um, but yeah, I mean I think they're both Reigns in particular, obviously a little bit underrated and and or maybe appropriately rated at this point. People seem to kind of acknowledge that Reigns has gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it, it's. Uh, it's it's interesting that you what you said about people stopping you know people kind of tuning out for the last hour of the show. I don't want to get too far down this path, but if they when they start the cruiserweight division, and I don't think this is going to happen, but if they if they did the old Monday Nitro thing of really just having hour one as cruiserweights, mm-hmm. would that help your engagement? Absolutely. I mean, just from a sheer entertainment standpoint. That would be great, just to have it be angles and matches dedicated solely to this division that you know is going to pop the crowd and get them excited for the next two hours, because the crowd dies. If you go back to the first Raw of the new era uh, after the draft where Finn Balor has his two matches and, and he wins, uh, he beats Roman Reigns, the crowd was kind of like, mm, 
all right, that's great. I mean, we'll cheer and yeah. everything, but we're exhausted after three hours. And Corpus Christi is also a bad crowd. So last week it was like, <laughs> oof, just, just, just a big fart in church. Yeah. Donsky, do you have thoughts on uh, on what I mean? Would would it would a separate would a like a, a totally separate first hour make you care more about hours two and three? I like it flowing all into each other. Well, first of all, who are our cruiserweights? Have we really established? Grand Metallic is apparently the is the cruiserweight to watch. WWE just filed all the trademarks for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's... that matters to me. You know, I there's a version of the cruiserweights that I'm into, and there's a version that I'm. What, who, what are you into? Where, where, does, where does Neville rank on your cruiserweights to be interested in scale? I think <laughs> I'm not into what Neville's been doing on the main roster. I, I was hoping that they would bring him back with um, something real to do. And I don't know. I don't think that being the flag bearer for the cruiserweight division is... is that's is that's not enough? I think... I don't know. I think that the Neville of, of NXT was was getting over and and I just I feel like now he was kind of marginalized already as a kind of uh, lower mid carter and now to say okay you're a cruiserweight what do you uh, you know how do you move up from there who is the giant guy who was in NXT version 2.0 who's like Welsh and now he's doing Cirque du Soleil a giant Welsh person <laughs> wasn't he Welsh they're really jacked like he looked like Batista Oh man, I have no idea. Oh man, I re- I, I remember back in I, I I fantasy booked him and Neville as a tag team years ago. It was like Brit- the like the new British Bulldogs or something. I, I think that um, you know I'm thinking back to the WCW you know um, cruiserweight division, and I mean this could just be a difference in how they booked certain guys versus how WWE booked certain guys. But um, the you take like the way that Jericho you know, is booked in WCW as kind of a cruiser. That's a tough yeah. that's a tough thing to overcome versus when he debuts in WWE or WWF, he's just he's a there star. with the rock. It's he's there. But and I think when a, you when you look at the way WCW did it at the beginning, it was a unique part of the show that no one in America had ever seen. Sure. These guys doing holds and, and high spots that were revolutionary for American wrestling television. And that was enough to get over. You can just watch uh, Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero wrestle every week, and you don't care if they have a character, if they have an angle outside of their competing. Yeah. And I think that's what's getting the Cruiserweight Classic over is doesn't have to be about you know uh, fireworks or neon entrances or anything. It's just about these two guys beating the hell out of each other yeah. and, and, and popping the crowd. Um, so when you start this Cruiserweight division, I think you have to play it up exactly like you did on the Cruiserweight Classic, where there's no Jericho-like characters, there's no soap opera drama. It's just these guys are competing for a championship, and there are rankings, and there are uh, statistics and point total, something that makes it feel like a competition instead of the typical WWE product. Yeah, no, I think I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think, and and the biggest thing that that you know, those old WCW matches. And the Cruiserweight Classic, I think, is a great example, is that it's just a different thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's like, if it were, if if they just changed, I mean, if, if whoever's booking the Cruiserweight Classic just took that ethos and took over Raw, like, Raw would not be very good, right? I mean, right. For, for all of our complaints about Raw, like, sure. it's like it, it's the baseline that we judge everything else mm-hmm. by. And when, and the reason why, 
I mean, one of the reasons why, you know, you fall in love with, with Lucha Underground is because it just feels different. Right. And it's great, but, it, like, it's it, the excitement is that is the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, you know, especially with a lot of the cruiserweights not... I mean, we know that they're not going to be a totally separate division because... Um, well, why don't we... I mean, this is an interesting segue, I guess, to the uh, to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2. Um because Gargano and Ciampa were wrestling in the Cruiserweight Classic, and now they're, but they're also like a legit tag, legit. I don't mean to demean the size of Cruiserweights, but they're they're a they're a normal weight class tag team uh, competitor in NXT, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that they're not totally cordoned off. Right. I mean, there's going to be this. There's going to be some crossover, and you know, I said this on the podcast last week. It wouldn't surprise me at all if if Finn Balor was. Uh, was positioned as a as a WWE cruiserweight just for the sake of getting the division over and Ooh, then that's tough. brought back yeah, in. Yeah, I don't know. I like don't want it. No, no, I don't want yeah. it either. But it would yeah. but like if if they're going to if they're going to sort of open up yeah, I mean just like AJ Styles was an X division champion and then was, you know, dot 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 the the TNA champ, right? Or the NWA champ, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I feel like I'm Vince here, you know, uh, but that was my my first concern on that first raw was he looked small and I don't want any reminders about the fact that Finn Finn's a small guy. Well, he's 189 pounds he's or something. Small. He's really tiny. What 180? Are they listing him at 189? I think he's 190 as they list him. And they got a list high, right? What, yeah, by WWE weight, he's got to be like 240 though. I mean, everybody gets a little boost, right? Right. But he's he's jacked and just his move set makes him a threat against basically anybody except for Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's also got an inch or two on AJ Styles, which, may, I mean, maybe yeah. that's partly why AJ Styles is on the is on the, beat, the the Tuesday show, because, you know, I mean, I think that they have to make some... Same with Apollo Crews, maybe. you got to get some people away just so there's not that lingering question. Honestly, 205... I mean, I've stood next to a lot of these guys. If... If Dolph Ziggler walks around and much above 205, I'd be shocked. Right. You know, I mean, they're, yep. they're not... It's it's a it's it's a sort of arbitrary classification. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what the, when 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 AJ debuted? There was there were a few promos. I remember. I think Jericho kind of uh, went into his size a little, and I didn't like that. And I I feel like they've gotten away from that with AJ. Well, I think, I think that, it's been to his benefit. I think that's primarily well, maybe not primarily, but partially because when you're a babyface. Being small is a virtue because sure. that means you're a better underdog. When you're a heel, you can't really be made fun of for being short because now you're not a threat to the superstar babyface anymore. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess with the, when you're a heel, you can you can use weapons or whatever else. Exactly. To balance it out. Yeah, they cheat. That's that's the definition of a heel. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, listen, I mean, for, first of all, Mason Ryan was the Nexus member. I think I said NXT, the Nexus member I was going after. I would love, some, someday, when, when Mason Ryan gets done with Cirque du Soleil, I would love to see him make a comeback and, and unite with, with, uh, with Neville just for no reason other than to satisfy my fantasy booking. Um, let's, let's talk about NXT TakeOver just really briefly, and then we'll get into the SummerSlam card, and I'm sure everything else will, um, will uh, fall into place, hopefully, from the week from there. Um, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn last year was the highlight of the weekend. I mean, SummerSlam weekend is, as I've written before, just, it's, it's Mark WrestleMania, or Smark WrestleMania, you know, I mean, it's, it is, uh, it's the, you know, they, they're clearly booking the big show to appeal to fans like us. The question, and I wrote about this for this week uh, on theringer.com, everybody check it out, the, uh, that, the, I mean, the question, the lingering question is whether or not 
the SummerSlam card represents a new status quo or wh- whether it's like as fleeting as The Rock coming back for a WrestleMania one shot, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. so, but but all of that goes to, all of that is to say that this is smart WrestleMania weekend and NXT is weirdly more significant now than SummerSlam as far as just getting us, getting fans like us super excited. This card is not, doesn't have quite the weight that last year's card does. Um, but there's still a lot of really cool stuff. The The title match is Samoa Joe versus Nakamura, which, it do, I mean, it doesn't matter. This Like, that match could happen, you know, in a, in, a rec, in a rec center in, like, a tiny ring, and you would still stand in line for two hours to go see it. Um, I don't know. What do you, do you, what do you, you guys have thoughts on that match? I think it's going to be interesting to see how they book it because whoever wins is sticking around. Whoever loses is probably getting called up in a month or two. Yeah. So you gotta you've gotta wonder, is Samoa Joe the guy that they need on the main roster, or is it Nakamura? And if it is Nakamura, how do you book him to stay strong while also getting him out of the way? Um, or this could be the first of a series of three matches. I don't know. I mean, NXT is in a very strange position where it could go in a variety of directions, the roster is depleted. And you don't know how they're going to book it going forward. So I'm curious to see how this pans out. Go ahead, Sam. (laughs) They should both be up yesterday, I think. This is one match too many already. I I feel like, I don't know, I I would love if they really want to, you know, uh, roll the dice and have some faith in their NXT booking. I would love to see them you know, have this be the last straw and bring them both up. Yeah. Um, it's time. That's kind of what I was thinking, actually. There, I have a couple of, I mean, just the logistics of this, like Dave, you were talking about, is, is what sort of interests me the most. I mean, they, they clearly did not decide to have either of these dudes drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them, I think, could show up on SmackDown this coming Monday and be the number one contender, right? Yeah. I mean, you could you could book either of them that way. Um, and I don't think that that's out, out, outside of the realm of possibility, uh, for one of them, or I mean, I don't think it's they're going to run the same gimmick with both. But one thing that we saw recently that really did work was Kevin Owens showing up on Raw with the NXT title. And I don't know if they'll go down that path again, but with all of the kind of quote unquote real sports aspects they're bringing into it, you could see in the NXT title having some weight on one of the main shows. Um, but also, I love the idea of them just both getting called up the night after, you know, on Monday, maybe to different shows. Yeah, yeah. one to each. Yeah, I and mean, then and then having a free for all for the title because really at this point with the NXT roster, and I love so many of the guys who are who are, who are down there, they kind of just need a full reset because yeah. yep. Joe and Nakamura are too far above the rest of the class. Right, and it's cool to keep doing the thing where Joe can bring somebody along or whatever, but I would almost rather. I would almost rather, you know, the No Way Jose era start now (laughs) and just sort of get acclimated to it than just then to kind of, I mean, listen, NXT is a great, is is a great arena to play around, you know, with different things. And I don't think it's necessary to get too bound to certain, you know, to the way they've been doing things. I think they're worried about touring revenue going down because they don't care about... Uh, how many people watch the show because the show is just a way to get people to subscribe to the network. But because they're going out to you know, festivals or they're going overseas and they're trying to get decent gates with these people, you're not going to want to have No Way Jose versus Ty Dillinger as much as I love Ty Dillinger headlining uh, a touring company. Yeah. 
I mean, I love Ty Dillinger too. I, yeah, but that you're, gimmick but you're is absolutely right. Awesome. I love that. But gimmick. it's totally. I mean, listen, this NXT show. I mean, the NXT Takeover show is almost. And I don't mean this as an insult, but it's like a. It's a really great indie wrestling show. Not not with the talent, but in the fact that like you don't really you care more about just looking at the card and saying okay and knowing NXT than like the specific storylines right. and like that kind of stuff. You know. Right. I mean, but if like if you when 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 did Nakamura come over? I forget, but I remember when he when he came over thinking it was like, WrestleMania, WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. 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 So, so if you had said then that he's not going to be on the SummerSlam card, I would have flipped out. I don't know, <laughs> especially <laughs> after I, I, especially after uh, Finn spent way longer than uh, than than I think he was promised down in NXT, which was fine. It was great for him and great for the brand, um, but. I, my guess is that when someone like Nakamura signs a contract in 2016, there's a little bit more of a like a direct guarantee of how much time they'll spend in the uh, you know before they get up into the onto the main roster. Right. I mean, I, I like Joe. Like you watch the the that Dallas match, and he's you know just hulking around and bleeding, just looking like this dominant. I mean, you so could have booked him. A, against Brock for SummerSlam, I think you could have made that work if you'd brought him up. I mean. I think that they're both just so ready, and I'd rather they're head and shoulders above everybody else in NXT. No yeah. question about it. With 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 Finn and American Alpha and all these guys gone, they're the the last two guys sort of holding up the brand. And the best you can do in this case is is hope that it's going to be like an ECW sort of thing where you just keep passing the torch to the next generation. All right, let's run through this card a little bit more just to just to fly through it. Ashka versus Bailey, I don't think I mean, certainly has the potential to be the match of the weekend, you know? I mean, yeah. we, there, we there's no reason to to like I, mean, I don't want to get I don't want to to oversell it, but like that potential is is there. Um those two have interesting chemistry, but I think the potential to have really great chemistry. Um, and Bailey's another one that could or Ashka too, both both of them could be on the main roster. I mean, it's crazy. You look at this NXT you look at the NXT card and, you know, for, for as, as interesting as SmackDown has been since the brand split, there are clearly some holes that, that all of the, these NXT uh, standouts could fill. Um, Bobby Roode has a match, uh, a match uh, against Almas. The Revival versus Gargano and Ciampa for the, ta- for the tag belts. No Way Jose uh, versus Austin Aries, which I love Austin Aries' role now is just putting, I mean, he's putting guys over in the, in the most interesting way possible. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's fun to watch for a guy that will probably lose most of these feuds in the end. Um, uh, and Ember Moon, Moon versus To Be Announced, which I love that there's a TV. <laughs> this is an indie show. There's really just like is, indie yeah. spots. Um, any, of those, any of those matches uh, stand out to you guys? I'm really into Bobby Roode's theme music. That's all I'm going to say right <laughs> so now. So good. Bobby Roode has the greatest theme song in WWE history, besides I think Big Boss Man's. It reminds me of. Wow. It reminds me <laughs> of. Um, I'm not going to sing the that um, theme that Christian had for a minute. Oh yeah. You know, were, I'm not going to sing it. It's like an opera. Going, Chris, it's opera. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's I, really good. Um, we can we'll we'll drop that in later. The uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it, Bobby Roode is. I mean, it's it's so weird to when someone like Bobby Roode actually gets a run in WWE or NXT or whatever. It, you almost thought it would never happen. Same with AJ Styles. But man, I mean, like the like the the you know what might have been like when you think just the counterfactual booking of like what if one of both of these guys were called up to WWE or signed with WWE five years ago, right, or eight years ago. I mean, if you're looking for 
I mean, Bobby Roode could be the heel champ of NXT, right? Yeah, they can oh, both yeah. be the main eventing in NXT, but it seems like their role is going to be to put over guys like No Way Jose and move them up the card. No Way yep. Jose, I mean, so I don't want to spend too much time talking about that one dude, but like he's a really interesting test because it because I watch him and I enjoy it. I mean, it's obviously it's there's a little bit wanting in the gimmick, but it's still like. It's hard to watch him and not just sort of feel like this isn't going to go over on Raw because of the lack of success they've had with some of the like kind of Rose. lighter gimmicks. Yeah. yeah, when they when they make the transition. Although he's got a good look and in and I mean I don't know he's a baby face or he can work as a baby face which makes you know maybe there's a little bit more like junkyard dog and and you know just kind of getting the kids excited yeah, sort of aspect like, to him like too cool scotty too hottie or rikishi sure or all those guys who were never really a threat but they were always able to pop a crowd yeah sam no way jose thoughts or yeah, anything I, mean, I just hope they i hope they um lean into it and see it through i don't i don't i don't, I don't want them to to hedge yeah I think that uh, maybe instead of a cruiserweight division, we should have an all dancing gimmick division. (laughs) I feel that that could that could fill out a whole show. Dancing with the superstars. Oh well, great network idea. They've got Naomi doing a. By the way, her ring gear now is just off the hook. Like I I, like it's my her entrance on. I don't has she done it before? No, her entrance on two last night. Like that's happening. Naomi's happening now. It was so good. It made me so excited. And again, just to see like. Oh man! I mean, I love a ring gear. There's just I don't. I mean, I, after watching the Olympics, I'm very into full body spandex ring gear. <laughs> like there's just there's something very kind of conv- like like functional about it that yeah. I'm really into, and also it looks great. So. I mean, that was the uh, that was. I mean, other than I think you know Cena closing the show by going wild, I thought that that was the second best part of the show was Naomi. Someone on on Reddit pointed out that that uh, AJ Styles has been with a company for just how many months and he's already gone through five announce tables like he's like oh, it, yeah. it, it's like his greatest feud in WWE right now is with the uh, Spanish with, announce it, table. Yeah. That's why they had to put him on SmackDown cuz there's no table down there anymore on Raw. Oh yeah, it's that's true. Yeah. That's a really that's a really good point. It's that you you thought it was to continue the Cena feud, but really it was to, consider, to continue the announce table feud. Um, well, I mean NXT, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for, but the but the big show, uh, not the big show, the wrestler, but the the big show of the weekend is obviously SummerSlam. Um, before we let it get too far away, let's start going through the card and if and just jump in when you guys have thoughts. Um, the last, okay, I'm just going to start at the bottom of the Wikipedia page. There is a six woman tag team match from uh, from the SmackDown roster. With Carmella, Becky, and Naomi versus Natalia, Eve Marie, and Alexa Bliss. Uh, over under on Eve Marie wrestling in this match? I mean, I think she has to. Uh, or if she doesn't actually compete, she's going to get thrown in the ring and just she's going to get hammered by Becky. Just beaten up. I, I feel like Eve Marie's getting the pin. Really? She's, laying, she's, she's winning the she's match? She's winning the match. I joked about this on last week happening. with Aubrey Sitterson, but there'd be nothing better if she like did the thing where she wasn't going to wrestle. But then when she actually got in there, just literally just like drew massive blood from Becky. Lane. Just like <laughs> beat the living hell out of somebody. That would be great. Yeah, I I love it. I love what they're doing. I think it's working. I think you just can't keep it up that long. They can't though. keep it up. Yeah, that long. they have to. Someone's got to get their receipt on this. Yeah, it's true. Although, I mean, I haven't been keeping track of ratings. I mean, I guess there's some question as to whether or not with all the content they have now. I was talking to. Or Sean Fennessy, the editor in chief of The Ringer, and he was—he's a casual fan, um, and was just like, "Man, SummerSlam! Like, I just don't—I have to do a lot of homework before SummerSlam." Right. With with Raw and SmackDown both being quote unquote mandatory, 
I feel like there's a lot of casual fans that probably have watched less of less percentage of mandatory content than they normally would have. And I think that the odds of like someone like Sean even having an idea of what the Eva Marie gimmick is right now is pretty slim. All that is to say, maybe they can keep doing it for another month just to make sure everybody gets exposed to it, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but I agree. Someone's got to get a crazy receipt. And I think for, I mean, for, based on my expectations of Eva Marie on the main roster, they're already way ahead of the curve. I mean, this yeah. is fun. They booked her perfectly. Um, and Becky, I mean, Becky's really great as this, I mean, sort of perfect as the smack, as the sort of the anchor of the SmackDown divi- women's division. Perfect. Um, when she, when, you know, when the Divas revolution, the women's revolution, whatever started, I, I remember saying that, that she is going to be sort of, She's the one to watch because if they're really serious about the women, about women's wrestling, then she can, you know, it's like Daniel Bryan get finally getting the push on the in, on, on the main roster or on the on the men's side. If if they're serious about it, she's going to be a star. Yeah. But if they're going to keep doing one match a week and one you know one feud at a time, she's going to be the first cut, sort of, you know. Yeah. And, I and seeing her seeing her flourish on SmackDown has been really great. She also made some comments. Not that this is really meaningful you can obviously say whatever um but she made some comments being very supportive of you marie and and saying you know i love what she's doing and you know i think she uh, is doing her job really well and i thought that was a sort of you know uh you could see it totally going the other way and um you could see people being she's not a worker how dare she do this but i mean i think especially when you are the standard bearer and you're the one that's supposed to be the number one person in the division you have to say it's my job to not only get myself over but to get everybody behind me over so that we can sell more tickets and more merchandise and be bigger stars sure and like i said i mean i talked to brian a couple years ago daniel brian a couple years ago when he was still wrestling and and and, you know everybody uh, fans like us on some level wish that the whole roster was daniel bryan's right Right. and 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 what he said was no like like the big show has to exist for me to matter right Mm -hmm. john cena has to exist for me to matter Mm -hmm. because it's a it's a variety show it's a circus side show you know and and for uh you know if you if you're becky lynch on some level you want to be the best wrestler and that have that be your thing yeah and let other people excel at other things right that's i think that's what bothered people about the click was that the click Certainly, uh, in in both the WWF and WCW iterations of it, were some of the most over guys in the company. But what they also did was interject themselves into every hot angle and bury people. Yeah. So you want a Becky Lynch who's like, I'm going to bring Eva Marie up. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm also just glad that she is getting to be a flag bearer because she was so over going into WrestleMania, and then she kind of got. Awesome when I when I saw her, when I went to the house show at Stable Center, she was the most over wrestler. She was so with the exception great. of AJ Styles for like the thirty seconds that it took the fans to realize that he was a heel. Like, like she was seriously got the best baby face pop of the night. Well, I mean, I think that they were planning on doing just uh, Sasha Charlotte at Mania, and I think that Becky got so over that they just injected her into that feud. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, next on the card is Cesaro versus Sheamus in the first of their best of seven series, which is. Um, Wow. Who asked for this? Huh? Who asked I for this? I have so heavily. many thoughts. This yeah. is this is where like where in the world is uh is Sami Zayn where the search begins with this match. But um uh, but interesting that uh, this is so beside the point. But was it the last pay per view where it seemed like all of Crispin like someone claimed ever, all of Crispin Benoit's moves? Like you all, I, like I, whenever someone does the cross face, 
I think Kevin Owens did it, right? It yeah. was just like, it feels, and someone did the triple Germans, and it was like, and I was like, it always feels, whenever I see the crossface, I feel like they're trying to reclaim that from like the darkest part of wrestling history. Right. Uh, introducing a best of seven series, which is also most famously uh, Booker T and Chris Benoit, if I if I remember correctly, yeah. yep. uh, is another, that for some reason it always just screams out to me. Listen, I don't hate Cesaro versus Sheamus, and I like that Sheamus, Sheamus's role as it stands on Raw with the roster, the, the small roster that it is now, is sort of the perfect role for Sheamus, I feel yeah. like. And he and Cesaro work well together. I don't think this is a great, a great like position platform for either of them, but maybe. I mean, maybe it's the be- maybe it's the best use. I feel bad for both of them, just because when you think about Finn Balor coming up and taking over the uh, main, the Raw main event at SummerSlam means Roman Reigns drops down into the U.S. title mid-card, sort of upper mid-card area. That means Cesaro, Sheamus, and also Sami Zayn, who's not even wrestling at SummerSlam, that we all, know all their spots bump down. So uh, it makes me feel just like these guys are getting a raw deal just because Roman Reigns had to fall down the card. Like Cesaro or, or Sheamus could be working with all kinds of people, but they're stuck together just to have something to do. I mean, you, this, when he when Cesaro was shooting, uh, was he shooting? I don't know. After the draft, <laughs> probably not. I, I kind of think he was, but I don't know. Meltzer said that he was. I think that it seemed uh, like there was very little scripting going on that night in general. So but you could see. I mean, he whether it was or wasn't. I mean, SmackDown would be a great place for Cesaro right now. I yep. mean. That that uh, IC title feud seems like just yeah. in that scene. Yeah, I, mean, so I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I think there's two ways to look at it. I mean, on the one hand, Cesaro on SmackDown, if they if if they really went all in on SmackDown being the wrestling show, like it has been, like it it was once known for. Um, like he would be perfect, and he could be a, he would be a headliner almost immediately mm-hmm. if he were there. That said, maybe the move is to leave him on. I mean, if if you're going to push him. Make him make him find a way to excel on Raw. He's a different sort of guy there. He'll have to improve the sort of uh, the char- the charisma or the 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 mic skill side of the skill set. I mean, if you look back at old SmackDown, certainly there were guys like Edge and Eddie and even Benoit that got that became bigger characters because they were the only thing resembling a character on the program. Yeah. Yeah. And that and and that might be a more obvious path for Cesaro to get over. My my favorite example of someone who was basically useless until the brand extension is JBL. Yeah. JBL yeah. was basically doing a stone cold light where he would walk around with his backwards baseball hat drinking beer and maybe pop into a, a vignette or something. But then they give him this fresh new character and he finds some sort of actual charisma besides uh, props because he yeah. was just it was all props. It was cigars and beers and wacky tattoos when he was in the Acolytes. So I think Cesaro could be a guy like that who Get rid of the James Bond ripoff thing and give him something fresh, and maybe he can he can get over. Don't um, I, I hate the James Bond thing so much, but awful. don't but don't give him something fresh. There's nothing we've tried. We've it's had something so fresh awful. every month with this guy. Sure, it's so awful. It's the dumbest thing. Like you, we know what you're going for. You even have the gun barrel in his Titantron. It's gross. I I have two more questions about this match. <laughs> okay, <laughs> go shoot, please. No pun intended. The first is. Is Booker going to mention his best of seven on the pre-show? Oh, uh, that's a... I, he, no, you can't. I mean, you, you can't, can't be... Oh, who do you wrestle against? Um, Just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> just a guy. This guy from Canada. You you don't know him. 
My Although son- if he did say, if he just said, you know, I have some experience the best of seven series, that would get people on Twitter fired <laughs> up. Like maybe that would be what? the best drop they could make. Uh, and my second question is, if you're doing a best of seven, how do you have one guy win the first the two? First two? <laughs> I know that's not part of the series, but this is number one. Of like the, this yeah. is number one, but like doesn't the impetus for a best of seven have to be a split? Like, how would you even justify that? Or at least some stakes. There are no stakes to this. It could be loser leaves town best of seven. It could be number one contendership for the U.S. title. Something that makes us care who wins four matches out of seven or five. Booker Benoit was, I think, like for the number one contendership, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, they could just go old school. Like what the the stakes that I'm interested in are would be loser leaves town for for Cesaro, so that and then he, he could go to SmackDown, SmackDown yeah. or at, like versus uh, Sheamus has to shave his head, Matt. Like a like a hair hair yep. versus contract match. I like that one too. Or just you know what, do two out of three falls at SummerSlam and make SummerSlam. I don't know if we have like we're 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 on match two of this card. I don't know if we have enough time for a two out of three <laughs> yeah. falls match. This seriously could be. Like ten minutes, or it could be one minute. Yeah, you just don't know based on totally. how the how the card shapes up. The next is uh, Miz versus Apollo Cruz, which is Ugh. has it gotten short shrift over the past couple of weeks, or have I just been like falling asleep when they've been on? Deservedly so. This is such lazy booking. The Miz has done so much good work. Yeah, this year to get the belt over, to get himself over, and to just establish a beachhead uh, on the card. And then they keep throwing him guys like Titus O'Neil, yeah. uh, Darren Young, Miz, what did you or not, and Cruz, uh, Paul Cruz, who don't are not over. Yeah. These guys are not over, and it's burying the Miz. I think Apollo Cruz is the right. This is a great spot for him. I may I I boldly proclaimed in like in a tweet that probably nobody saw that I thought that he was gonna be he was gonna be in the the top tier of SmackDown by WrestleMania, and I under like I under I mean I was I was wrong because he got over. I mean he was put up in the top tier the first night of SmackDown. Yeah. I mean obviously he's not a headliner there yet, um, but. I mean, I, I, I just wish they would figure... I mean, they, they need to figure out what they're doing with Apollo Crews. They need to figure out if he's going to be a character or if he's just going to be a worker. And I and I think that putting him in a sort of... We keep saying it, but like a sort of, you know, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit role would not, is not a bad thing, you know? Just let him be awesome in the ring and, mm. and keep the talking to a minimum until they kind of figure out what his character is. Because, like, upbeat, I really want to win this baby face is not a character. Yeah, it's not happening. They've yeah. done a great job of... of making that work with American Alpha, where they're starting to really get momentum yeah. just because they're so good in the ring. But for whatever reason, Apollo Crews is not able to connect with his work in the way that they can. I think tag teams can just get over as being great workers more easily because, uh, you know, I mean, obviously the tag team division traditionally has been less character driven, you know, the the standouts like demolition aside, but like, it's and also it's just cooler to see tandem moves. Yeah, like it's like it's like for a casual fan and even fans like us, there's like great team moves. For some reason, convey great wrestling more than you know a three sixty off the top rope or something like that. Yeah, the stuff that that Apollo Cruz does do that is is noteworthy and visually engaging doesn't excite me the way that a tandem move that uh, American Alpha does. I also think it's probably too soon to save and if, if American Alpha is getting over. Yeah. Like it's been only, they, I mean, they, they haven't really had to do it's much. A, it's a lot of, it's a lot of like, you know, 
tell not show with it. I mean, like they've they've shown us some good stuff, but they're getting over sort of in the way that Miss Elizabeth's beauty got over, which is that Vince McMahon just said it over and over again until yeah. we all believed it. And they're squashing a lot of teams that are not doing anything right now. The Ascension pops up on SmackDown to lay down, or the Vaud Villains, or all these teams that are just like detritus on the roster. Yeah. Well, in the future, we're going to have to fantasy book that tag team division. Because, yeah. like, I like what they're doing with all the teams getting in there and brawling together. I'm still not quite sold on, like, that that tag division needing its own belts. But we'll, I mean, maybe, here, I'm just going to fantasy book right now. Joe and Nakamura show up on SmackDown <laughs> as a tag team. I love it. And then just destroy everybody. That's incredible. the way to get tag belts over is have, like, guys you actually are scared of holding them. Right. They, when the when the Ascension walked, walked down on SmackDown, they were like, they haven't really found their footing yet in WWE. And the Ascension? Yeah, yeah. 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 You can say that. They've fallen off the cliff and are tumbling slowly to the ground. Uh, I, Miz is going to win this match. I mean, this should be on yeah. the pre-show. This and, is and, a, this and it is might be. Match. There's nothing that's designated, I don't think, as the pre-show right now. Okay, um, Enzo Amore and Big Cass versus Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens. Is this the... Oh, you're match. shaking your head. This Go. is another match where I just feel like this is lazy booking. Why, logically, character-wise, why is Kevin Owens now friends with Chris Jericho? Because they're both Canadian. Yeah, but Kevin Owens' gimmick has always been, I don't like anybody. Yeah. I hate baby faces, and I hate heels, and I especially hate announcers. I, yeah, I mean, I agree it's been super lazy booking, and yet I feel like... Owens and Jericho are so good that they've made it work. Like, Owens has been kind of a little prickly still to Jericho. He's still kind of been like, I mean, you could turn on him at any moment. You yeah. sort of feel like that's Owens has been so good at threading that needle. This is not a defense of the booking, although I like this. I like this gimmick on a, I mean, this angle in a very, like, on a very superficial way that I'm not ashamed of. Like, I said, like, it's, it's basically just a feud that's based on the fact that these are like three of the best four talkers in the business. You know, I mean, they're just, it, and they're giving them, you know, free reign just to go out and have a good time. And they're also all great workers. Um, but I think that to not give WWE too much credit, what's making me feel totally okay about what you were saying, Dave, is that I feel like that Kevin Owens is going to turn on Jericho or Jericho is going to turn on KO and that, and this is like we've seen this in Ko's indie career before he before he got up to WWE. Like the tag team that turns into the feud is is a great way to elevate him. Yeah, you know? I, I don't think Jericho is going to be turned on. I think just he's got to stay the heel. Yeah, just from looking at his Twitter and and knowing you know what he says about the role that he prefers, he's going to stay a heel for. a And long he's time. been. I mean, people were texting me about this on Monday, on Tuesday, yeah, Monday night, like. The way that he's transformed himself at this late stage of his career into, I mean, on the scale that he's working, one of the best heels in the company yeah. is just pretty amazing. Especially when you have The Miz stealing his gimmicks left and right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Jericho's, I mean, I, like, Jericho just transformed before our eyes, and it's like, it's sort of silly, but it's just, it works, you know? Yeah. And I think what people are, are forgetting a little is that when he came back this for this time, at first, he was teetering on the edge of, like, Oh man, like has this passed Jericho yeah. by and he just you know, flipped the switch. The guy's a catchphrase it. machine, man. I he just swear. found his sea legs yeah. and just He's really good. And I think it helps that 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 uh Enzo is like making fun of him. He's calling him like like John Bon Jericho and like what like like I think that you have to take and I think for Jer on Jericho's part, like there was a point where he just stopped wearing a shirt after everyone had just made fun of the way he looks in tights for like six months or whatever many months. 
the fact when he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to like sit on this ladder with a scarf and no shirt on <laughs> that. It's just the embracing of the phase of his career that he's in makes him just such a more delectable heel. Totally. Who do we think is going to win this match? Is this an Enzo and Big Cass special? Or At first I said Jericho and Owens because you want to keep this going. But now that I think about the potential for it to be like a mega powers explode uh-huh. but for Canadian heels. Um, I think Enzo and Cass win. Keep up their momentum. But for Canadian heels, yeah. should just be attached. Like, like what can we? What 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 other gimmicks can we run back from like the eighties? But put but for Canadian heels. The on Bushwhackers, the but for Canadian heels. Uh, yeah, I, I I have Enzo and Cass here. They keep keep rolling. I think no question, Enzo and Cass. Um, uh, but I, you, you were saying to me before we went on the air that it's that you've actually had difficulty picking, and I love this. I love this because it's I come. I do this every time I do a pay per view write up. You think that you know exactly how this is going to go until you're forced to actually make the pick, and then you realize that like, like it doesn't matter at all who wins or loses. Yeah, this is a match that is the definition of that match. That it just who cares? I mean, it's more about just watching these guys compete and having something to do so they get their pay per view payday. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's part of part of it's just the way that wrestling works, and part of it's like we like you know, like the writer is right in such a way that. If Vince McMahon changes the out, you know, changes the the pinfall on event day, yeah. Be, I mean, it really it doesn't all like you just it's a minor tweak. That's some that's in many cases the least significant thing that could happen. Like the winner, the winner, the loss doesn't matter. Totally. Sam agreed. Agree. I mean, I I, I think that out of all these guys, Cass is the one that is highest on the. You know, it, do you agree with this? With that he's the like? Would was he on your personal rankings that high? Um, no, I think it's. I mean, if this is if this is me. I think it's. I think it's time for for Owens to make his move. Yeah, um, totally. So, I mean, if if Owens has to, you know, they love to do that thing where the guy eats the pin and then bounces up the card. That's fine with me, but. The dirty that, secret here is that Enzo and Cass are the New Age Outlaws. Yeah, and well, you that, can't that's split a, them up. You can't split them up. No, I don't mind. You know, our boss Bill Simmons is a big fan of. Of of he of Cass like he thinks he's the future and a lot of people and, and listen I'm I I like Cass but I, and I'm all in on I mean I will I will continue I will agree with that just for the sake of letting Enzo just sort of run in the you know just like uh, you know just jog right behind him and 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 meet minimal wind resistance you know and so that <laughs> yeah. when so that when he when it turns out that Enzo is actually the star of this group like like it'll it'll be a wonderful surprise to everybody right. If he gets pushed, it's going to be a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, if he if he gets a if he gets like a you know a random booking championship match on Raw and pulls out a win, like that's that's what's going to put get him really over. Yeah, I, think. I just hope they realize that if they separate them, it's over. Yeah, it's over. Like I don't I yeah. don't know if they do. I think they do, but I'm not sure. No, yeah, I mean they can fe- they could feud mm-hmm. at some point, but yeah, it's got to be like they're away from each other would be a problem i yeah. think at least the way it stands now mm-hmm. um all right let's move on new day versus gallows and anderson doctors gallows and anderson <laughs> this is another match where i just feel like they have not tried hard enough the bookers that is yeah um the new day's momentum is stalling this should be their biggest feud ever because this is finally a team that's a team that has cohesion that is their polar opposite in a lot of ways and that gallows and anderson are just like they're bruisers they're like the revival and now they're, they're a comedy new- team yeah now they're doing comedy it wasn't Why? so bad it wasn't it so was, bad it was yeah. pretty good i but, mean that was almost a jbl level of reinvention like when they just when they did the brand split and suddenly gallows and anderson are just doing shtick right which is 
something they're sort of known for, but it goes against what we knew about them in WWE. Right. It seems like New Day should be meeting Gallows and Anderson uh, in the, the violence level. But it's going the other direction, and it's made this feud feel kind of tepid to me. The, the comedy thing is funny. I mean, I don't. It's not what they're known for in the sense that, like, obviously in like Japan, they were brought, they were bruisers too. But like Gallows is, you know, has some like legendary YouTube clips of him just like doing like the whatever the brother character that he does, and like, I mean, and if that's the future, if that's his future in WWE, I'm all in. But it's it's a it's an interesting look for them. I mean, two one, it was weird just seeing New Day have comedy done. To them. to them, yeah, that was a weird look, but um, there's no question. I'll ask you guys. This is the least over that New Day has been since they broke out. I yeah. think for sure. Like when they maybe it was a biggie isn't their thing, but when they tried to get the what? New Day rocks thing going off of that weird double on top, you know, they were, that miss, was not, they were we, missing Biggie. Do we know where on. Big E is? Is he like tweeting as if he's like in the hospital? I have I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't been looking at his Twitter. Um, Are they gonna break him off? Is that is this the the, it's, the moment? It's interesting. I, I don't think they're gonna lose. I by think the way. that I mean I frankly think that like I'm happy to get a look at Xavier and and Kofi like just getting a run as a duo, not because I want Biggie to leave, because like I feel like we haven't actually seen every iteration of the New Day we really work. All. This is another too soon sort of breakup situation. I lo- I'm like all in on Biggie. I think that there's a way to push him as a single star that doesn't even have to break up the new day. Like I think you That's, could just sort of have him be an upper card single star well, and then have the you know having three guys as a tag team was sort of maybe overstated as well. I totally agree. I mean, I don't know I, I don't know that Kofi's not the single star if they if you if you want to keep them together and push somebody, but I think Biggie's more logical. For some reason, that is the hardest thing for WWE to do. Either can either they can't wrap their heads around it, or just functionally it doesn't work. Which is to push a singles wrestler from a faction or from you know from a tag team right. without doing the really obvious breakup or like you know whatever. Like it's 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 kind of nuts. Yeah, they have to super kick somebody through a plate glass window every time. Hip toss, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like, you're right. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> like he's Biggie's the one out of. I mean, they. I don't think that. On, I mean, I can't criticize how they've booked the New Day. I mean, they've gotten so over, but um, I don't think they've been vicious enough at times. There, there have been times to just put them over clean, and I don't think they've they've done that enough, especially now that they're their faces. But um, Big E seems like he is the one where when there there have been moments where you see. Uh, Big E go, and you could almost imagine him being either face or heel. You can imagine him being almost like a Kurt Angle. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, he's really good. Uh, so, wait, what's your pick? Sam? I think that the club's winning. I think that Biggie's Biggie not being there is there. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll agree. I'll go with that. Three and for I, the club. And I think this means that Gallows and Anderson can then work with Enzo and Cass, who beat Jericho and Owens. And so you've got a different look to the tag team division. And was it not SummerSlam last year that the New Day won the titles for this this reign, right? Wouldn't it be kind of like delicious yeah. symmetry? Was it yeah, SummerSlam. Yeah, it was SummerSlam. Um yeah, that's that's actually that's a really good point. I think if they if they do a New Day if if we have like a, a New Day squabble, like a breakup feud between them, I, w- I, th- I, w- I hope they bring in the like some variation on the Freebird rules where like every match between them is a three-way match, but they just call it a one-on-one match. <laughs> um, I don't know if that made any sense. Next right. up is Sasha Banks versus Charlotte for the Women's Championship. Dana Brooke banned from ringside. Oh, boy. Um, thoughts? I'm conflicted. I think that uh, my, 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 first thought, my first thought is 
there's no way they can just take it off of Sasha right after you know putting it putting it on her. But then I I really deconstruct it, and I don't see if if Sasha wins, then I don't see where she goes from here. You can't continue that feud if she's uh, won twice. The only answer is Nia Jax, but I think that's too soon. And it's too yeah. soon. I don't I don't see where I think that Sasha right now for where she is at needs Charlotte. Yeah, and Charlotte needs the belt. Yeah. Charlotte isn't over without I, being the cocky heel uh, that is the champion did, un, unfairly. Despite all of the the Dana Brooke shenanigans that have happened over the past month, I think that the the best thing that they could do for this division by far is to have Charlotte win clean after like a long, hard-fought match, and then you can just reboot the underdog Sasha Sasha Banks as underdog gimmick angle for another three months. You or run it to like WrestleMania. That. Yeah, all the yeah. way. The the fact that they put no question the, that's no question the fact that they put the belt on her so quickly i think it's totally defensible just in terms of having this be a champ versus ex champ match at summerslam you know yep. like sometimes you make those decisions um based on you know gate and not logic or storytelling logic and that's fine um but i don't think there's any reason why yeah if they if you want to run this to wrestlemania charlotte wins and i and i think that honestly for i mean for the sake of the women of women's wrestling going forward, let her win clean. It doesn't matter that she's a heel. Just let her just. I mean, it, this can be a great match that leaves both people coming out looking better. Yeah. But you know, the fact that Dana Brooke is banned. I mean, it's just something's gonna happen. Maybe Rick's gonna come back. You know, whatever. But like, man, I would I would put her over clean. Sam, I you, agree. I th- people forget not that not that she's her father, but I think people forget. That Flair went clean a lot. He did. Yeah. He really, and it mattered. He he had to because he was a guy carrying the territory for years. Yeah. So he couldn't always get over by, you know, Arn Anderson running in or Telly Blanchard running in. He had to win sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he had had to win just so he could, so he could uh, close the show inviting everybody back to the hotel bar. I mean, that was like, he had to be the last man standing. I'm also ready for, I just want to fast forward to Sasha. Turning on Bailey and just—that's going to be a great just too. doing it in oh, WWE. Man. Yeah, it's so weird with it with the with as few women as there are, and obviously the, the ranks are growing. It seems like every week, but it's but there's going to be a lot of dream matches that we're just not going to get to see because of the brand split. Yeah, you know, I mean, if if Bailey show if Bailey goes to SmackDown, then we're going to be drooling over a Sasha Bailey match or a Charlotte Bailey match for. I mean, maybe they'll figure out a way to pull that together for like a WrestleMania or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of crazy for as long as they stick with this brand split that we're gonna, there's going to be such big matches. I feel like we've seen every iteration of every men's match on the main roster. Yeah. Obviously, with Finn, you know, once Finn kind of solidifies himself, there's I'm sure like I could fantasize about a Finn, you know, Bray Wyatt match forever. But like, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the women's division is going to be particularly interesting in that way. Mm-hmm. Next up is Rusev versus Roman Reigns. Let's spend as little time on this as possible, guys. What's your pick? I'm going to go with Rusev because he laid down on Monday. It, there's no way that he loses twice. They telegraphed it in every way possible. <laughs> there's no way. Rusev's, Rusev's, that Raw match telegraphed 100%. Couldn't yeah. agree more. There's no way. The only way is... Roman Reigns. I mean, Roman <laughs> Roman no. Reigns exists. No, 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 no. Um, I think this is as good a time as any to drop in. I don't. I think we said this before we started rolling that Roman Reigns, obviously, just coming back from a uh, from a wellness policy suspension, and and Alberto Del Rio just got pinged this morning, and he's out for thirty days. I assume he's probably not going to come back with the same fanfare as uh, 
as as Roman Reigns did. Although no. if, if anybody on the roster, and I love Del Rio, and I don't give a flying F about steroids or whatever else you're putting in your body, but if anybody on the roster was just like a walking sign that like they're, that, that the wellness policy isn't working for the past few months, it was Del Rio because he just looked like like a CGI version of himself since his return. Yeah, he looks ridiculous. He looks strange. Like his body parts don't go together in the normal. It's way. like yeah. it's like when it's like taking apart action figures and sticking them back together or something. Yeah. Like in in the wrong with on the wrong body. It's but grotesque to look at for sure. Um, but <laughs> next, listen, uh, <laughs> next, John Cena versus AJ Styles. Ooh, baby! This it's is a singles match with no stipulations, right? I mean, it's yeah, just a, I'm confused it's basically an old fashioned that. grudge match. But. Yeah, SummerSlam misses. At least one or two gimmick matches here. Like yeah. this is an obvious place to do Last Man Standing or Extreme Rules or or a cage match or something to liven up this third iteration yeah. of this feud. Um, but I mean, maybe they run it again next month. This feud, this feud could have this feud could go on for a year. I don't think anybody would be no, that upset as long as they keep that. giving us good matches on SmackDown. Yeah, you know, I mean, like for, with other people yep. on SmackDown. Like, man, this is this has been fun, and I think the fact that this the past month has been pretty minimal in terms of like story advancement, mm-hmm. but it's still really interesting. Like you, you're ve- like because it it's sort of more realistic. You don't need some crazy new stakes in terms of the storytelling. Yeah, you just I mean you know that these guys don't like each other and they and as long as the, I mean, in real life, like fights don't get resolved. You know, it's like right. somebody quits fighting at some point. But like, I don't know. I just, I've really enjoyed the simplicity of the past month. I would love them to run it back again, and I think that um, the fact that they did um, a six man at Battleground instead of one on one, I think, might be a sign that there's a third. They don't match. have to commit to this being the rubber match. Yeah. They could just kind of wipe away Battleground as AJ one one. Yeah, and then. Cena and then I feel we, like we have a lot of baby faces going over so far, and so that makes me think maybe AJ takes this one, and then there's one more where Cena. It's crazy that you're looking. I'm looking at the card, and I'm wondering if this is going to be like the savage steamboat of this. Like John Cena has come so far in this, in in, in just terms of entering storytelling. We're getting the wrap up symbol from from Tate Frazier. Hey Tate, what's your Twitter handle? <laughs> just Tate Frazier. That's not true, right? Oh, Tate Frazier. Add Tate Frazier. Yeah, everybody complained to him. Uh, let's run through the rest of these really quickly. Dean Ambrose versus Dolph Ziggler. It's got to be Ambrose. And Ziggler, I feel like, maybe is going to turn heel. This is my... I, I hope to God they put they like just let him be Ric Flair. You know, just turn or him heel and, and make him great again. Maybe he gets corrupted by Bray Wyatt. That he joins the Wyatt this is, family. This is a pet peeve of mine. I do not like when there's a guy who's in the feud quite clearly on TV and is not in the match. It just moves over the match. It's very strange. I don't like it, especially when it's Bray, who's ruined a few pay-per-view matches in his career by just kind of lingering Your Canadianism just came out when you said ruined. Ruined. It's always going to be him, too, because they don't know what to do with him. This is the WrestleMania thing all over again, where it's like, he doesn't have a match, but you know something is going to happen with him. Um, Who are we more likely to see... On on uh, make a surprise appearance, him or Sami Zayn? I think Sami Zayn ends up working NXT. 
That so I'm going to say Bray Wyatt. It's a great call. Yeah. Uh, I think Dean wins, no question. Do you, do you think Ember Moon is going to take, is, is, is Sami Zayn the TBA against Ember I think Moon? it might be. The, uh, okay, so wait, you both have Ambrose? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no way He's Dolph Ziggler walks out with the belt. Honestly, Dean Ambrose has done too good of a job oh, since God. he got the belt. He's been and amazing. since SmackDown started, he's, oh. he's a champion. He's, like, he, he, is, he is so much a champion. You see him on the posters. You see him in the, the opening credits of the show, and it's like, this is the guy. They so really did it. Um, Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship, <laughs> the new super important championship. Uh, are, this is a hard one to pick. Are, are we sure, are we 100% sure that the demon on Raw worked? I found it really interesting that... They well, got a holy shit chance. Mick Foley was the... the I, I've, I've a had, weak one. I have had issues with, with that entrance... Since he showed up in NXT, yeah, me too. I, uh, I, I, I think I'm back on cheap heat. I referred to it as community theater adjacent. There's, <laughs> there is, there is a very, there's, but on Raw it looked better than it ever did on NXT in a little tiny arena. I don't really yeah. get the him putting on the demon to scare somebody without a match. Like the, I thought the yeah. whole thing was it's this big pre-match ritual. Like it's just for that night. That was the stupidest part about it. The The entrance itself worked fine. And I think the crowd was like, wow, that's really cool. But you've not only wasted a thing that could get people excited about the match, but you've also done this thing where it cheapens, it cheapens the, the gimmick. Yeah, I agree with that, Sam. He's, he's winning, though. By the way, he's got to win. You think Finn? He, he can't lose. I think I, I'm. i in. I think Finn's going to win, but but it's, it's it's again. It could go either way. I mean, just to have Rollins be the guy who won, who's the first Universal Champion, makes a certain amount of sense for the way that they seem to trust and love Rollins, justifiably. Sure. I'm going to pick Rollins just because of that reason. I, and but I am really pessimistic on. Where Finn goes if he loses, I feel like Finn I, needs this. He has nothing. He has literally really has does. to win. I, I'm with you. I, nothing he has really made does. me more skeptical though than. And also, I guess you could look at this as a as a promising sign for him, just based on WWE history. But the whole Demon King thing, which by the way, congrats to Mick Foley for being the only person who can say Demon King with the appropriate emphasis. Everybody else was just saying Demon Kane. Yeah, like, like they were so used to saying the Demon Kane. That they were saying the Demon King, which is not how yeah, you the Demon King. Yeah, it's the Demon King. He has to win because if he loses, but the, then he goes to work with God the knows Sheamus or something. Um, yeah. So yeah. So the I mean I I, told, I I completely agree, and I think that if I mean the worst part wasn't that it sounded like they were saying Demon Kane, but that they were booking him like like Kane when it would be just like where is this demon? All I see is a guy in a suit, and then the yeah. guy then the monster would come out, and it's like you're just like this is clearly the same. This is a wrestling gimmick. Why do I care about right. this entrance? Anyway, Tate is doing a dance now. One more match. Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton. Is there any way... Well, I'm, I, my, yeah. my vote's Orton. What let's, do, what just, is, let's just do this. Orton's, Orton's going to win, I think. I got to go with Brock. That would be the surprise. I think... I, I heard some not? rumblings that Brock might be in line for a title shot on Raw. Really? Which would be weird if he's working with Finn Balor, but... I think the only way, I'm, the interesting thing is going to be see is going to is going to be seeing if there's if Brock puts anybody over over the next over the remainder of his contract because right. it's like if well, he gets the vibe that they're sort of using him if that they don't want to push him back to the top I mean they can put him in a title match but not to like be a long running champion does he just lose interest 
like Dean Ambrose alluded to in the on, on, <laughs> not even alluded that. to yeah, on the Stone Cold podcast, it. and just sort of check out and just be like, yeah, I don't really feel like doing that match. I feel like this is a that my feeling is this is a what are we waiting for situation, kind of like how. We said, oh, the Shield triple threat. It's got to be WrestleMania. got to be WrestleMania. And they just ended up doing it. I, yeah. I sort of feel like what – it was Roman. Okay, Roman's going to go over Brock finally. Or is that what we're holding Brock for? What are we waiting for? I think everything we need to know about this match will be will be clear when we see where it goes on on the card. Yeah. If, this is, if this is your – if this is like right before – if your intermission match basically – not that there's an intermission, but if it's like halfway through the card. Brock's winning. I, well, you think so? I think if if it, it closes the show or is close to the end, that means that the conquering hero, Randy, Randy Orton, Orton, takes the match. Yeah, I guess that, that's a good point. I just meant for like the significance of Brock Lesnar going forward. Oh, like, sure. it, like well, this could be the main event if they really if, if he's going to be challenging be. for the belt next week. You yeah. know, I mean, like it's it's a it could be it'll say a lot about what we think about Lesnar. My feeling is this is the main event. Yeah, I think so too. According to Wikipedia, it's the top match, but that yeah. doesn't mean anything. It, it'll be good for SmackDown if Orton wins. So that could be the one reason why he goes over. Uh, all right, we got to get out of here. Is there any? Is there any news? Uh, props to Heath Slater. I feel like that just needs to be said on a weekly Incredible basis work now from him um, and from Brock. The the Brock saying "I don't give a you know what about your kids" was I think the best moment of either show. Oh, oh yeah, better, for sure. Just wait for my just wait for my uh, SummerSlam preview column because that's my that's my opener. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess that's it, guys. Enjoy SummerSlam. Enjoy yes. NXT Takeover. Enjoy. All of the wonderful shenanigans that will surround... Is it four nights in a row in Brooklyn? Are they doing Raw and SmackDown there? I don't even know the answer to this. They might be doing it at MSG They must be going like the Nassau Coliseum yeah. at some point, right? They've got to do MSG. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be fun. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get out in Bro- to Brooklyn, and, and I'm excited, man. I get Enjoy. to get my, my old stomping grounds. Um, and what better reason to go back than the Smark WrestleMania? Yeah. Demon King. Demon the, the, the Demon King. The Demon King. The de- yeah. Demon um, King. Yeah, well, we'll get our pronunciation in check for next week. Thanks for listening, guys. On the line now is one of my buddies, uh, but more importantly, uh, the acclaimed documentary filmmaker, Robert Green. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? Congratulations on everything. This is fancy. Well, you can congratulate me. Um, I mean, listen, I'll take all the praise that I can get, but... Um, I think I think I think you're a little bit more deserving right now. You are here specifically today uh, because one of your early documentaries that I'm a huge fan of, "Fake It So Real," which is about indie wrestling in North Carolina, is finally available for sale. Is that right? I, I feel like the Rock. Finally, yes, finally, finally on sale. Uh, Factory Twenty Five is a great distributor, but they took their time in creating this DVD. So, yes, finally on sale. The "Fake It So Real." Uh, where where can people get it? I just want I want to get this out of the way up front. It's factory25.com. You have to sp- idiotically. Uh, I love you, Matt Grady, but why would you have to spell out factory25? But it's everything spelled out, including the 25 factory25.com. And on there, you just search for fake it, fake it so real, and um, and the DVD is available for sale now. Awesome. Um, I wrote about this documentary at Grantland a few years ago. I actually, just passed it along to one of my colleagues. Um, yeah, when I did my, you know, I, 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 I went back through all of the, to that point, all of the wrestling documentaries that had been made and just sort of, uh, talked about how the documentary form is a really strange one as it pertains to the pro wrestling world. Um, in some ways an incredibly appropriate one. Now there are a lot of great ones out there. Everybody knows, um, uh, wrestling with shadows, 
Um, what are the other uh, lipstick and dynamite was up for an Oscar a while a decade ago. Um, and yeah. I, I highly recommend that. It's a it's a totally different sort of thing than what you were doing. Um, but there's there oh beyond the mat of course is uh is is the one that that everybody that's talks the, about that's the big one yeah. yeah but you but I mean listen I mean, we we became friends bec- after I saw your documentary I fell in love with the documentary before um you know before I fell in love with the with the with with your bald head and our mutual bald man and appreciation society <laughs> but um but the uh, but but it's it's really it's a really great documentary it's very. Um, for people that don't know, I mean, it's it's a it's a small documentary. It's not in the it's not it's not taking on an era of pro wrestling. It's not following famous wrestlers around for a year. Um, it's a very kind of concise uh, several months in the life of a super small time wrestling organization in um, you know a small town in North Carolina. But it somehow for me just spoke to the world of pro wrestling more than any other documentary I've seen. There's something about the passion of the, of the wrestlers um, and, and about just the sort of simple artifice of the whole thing. What, can you give us just a quick background on like what drew you to those, to those wrestlers and, uh, and why you think it speaks to wrestling fans? Well, thanks for all that. And I remember that article you wrote was uh, validated my entire life, so I appreciated that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, documentaries and wrestling is kind of like it for me. Uh, I, I've always wanted to make a documentary about about wrestling. I'm a huge wrestling fan, lifetime wrestling fan. Still, we, I watched Raw last night. Um, and uh, and for me, there's just such an interesting thing when you, when you put a camera on people in general, they perform in a certain way. And obviously, that's... That is what you know. Pro wrestling is 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 you know life turned up to eleven is the is the uh, you know a character turned up to eleven. That's the cliche, and I think there's just such interesting connection between making documentaries or documentary films and documentary characters and what we love about wrestling, pro wrestling. Uh, the 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 word you use often is unreality, which I love so much, and I'm often like talking to, to my documentary world friends about like you can't really understand. Uh, what you do or what you like about nonfiction filmmaking until you understand pro wrestling. And that's, um, and for me, that's because it's, there's this, all these sort of layers of, of real and not real and constructed and not, and authentic and, and everything that we kind of get into when we, when we get excited about, you know, the character building and wrestling, you, is the same stuff you're dealing with in documentary. And so that was always the impetus for me to want to make it. And, uh, my cousin is one of the wrestlers. So Chris Solar, who is, uh, uh, was born with his intestines on the outside of his body was, he was the kid that when we were growing up, we, we couldn't, we couldn't, uh, you know, beat him up or anything or play sports or anything like that because he'd always be too fragile, uh, to do that. And one day he said, I want to be a pro wrestler. And we all thought, well, you're going to die. That's terrible. It's a terrible idea. And he's since, you know, created this, this persona, this, uh, Chris Baldwin became Chris Solar, and really in the movie you see him. He's a great heel, and he and he uh, plays the character well. Well, and so he, I've always, I always wanted to make that film. I had this connection to Chris, and I knew that these guys were doing it in a way that was, like you said, passionate and totally, uh, like just totally the same life that I had. You know, like I wanted, I want to make films. I'm working my ass off to do that, and they want to make their art, and they're working their ass off to do that. And 
and I just it was it was just was you know it was an easy fit you know big ideas plus you know grounded reality stuff and and uh, we I actually filmed over one day or sorry one week of was the main crux of the movie and then we filmed a little bit more uh, to fill it in and yeah it's leading up to one show and I think it works partly just because it's not about the fame it it's not about the personalities in the same that we we, we usually think about wrestling it's actually about the ideas of what it means to be and why you want to be and why you might be into you know the art of pro wrestling you know and it's uh that's the main focus i think yeah i mean it's it's certainly one of the most artful wrestling documentaries if not the most uh which i mean is not what you said but i think it's it's an interesting relationship between the way that you filmed it and uh, and and your feelings about the form. I mean, if only strictly for the sequence where they set up the ring, I think this is worth buying and watching. But um, <laughs> to take to make this a little bit, I mean, to take this a little bit out of just the wrestling world. And we started off. I started off uh, alluding to the to the congratulations or that that or the admiration that you deserve since you've made this documentary. You've you've made some others. Uh, you talked a little bit before about nonfiction filmmaking, but. Um, you have a you, I, you have a documentary called Actress that's on Netflix now. If I if I uh, if I can trust my cue that's right here in front of me, and uh, a, a new documentary that was at Sundance this year called uh, Kate Plays Christine. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, and, it's a movie about. I mean, re- wrestling fans will, will will understand this kind of concept even better than 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 you know uh, the regular moviegoer or something. Right. It's about. It's a documentary about an actor playing the role of a woman who committed suicide on air uh, uh, in 1974. So it's a nonfiction film about the acting process. Essentially, you're, it's like watching anything that we love, kind of like, you know, you're watching the person play the per- themselves as they try to play something else. And that's kind of like, to me, that has a lot of correlatives with wrestling, obviously. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know with actress, there were a lot of people, a lot of the reviews were sort of sort of uh, you know that one of the inherent questions with the with the film is is how much of it is performance and how much of it is authenticity and i think that that uh you know as a wrestling fan there's this sort of this sort of odd um kind of awareness that that those two things aren't necessarily separate you know i mean we we all are um we're all very much aware that what we experience as as you know int- intrinsically is a real thing is 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 artifice at the same time right uh, yeah, unreality is a great word for documentary as well. And 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 I, what I love is I have I have plenty of times where like I'll you know I'll, I'll, I try to bring up pro wrestling as a metaphor for understanding the stuff uh, as much as possible. I've written a couple articles about it myself, and and I love that afterwards people after seeing the movies, you know, people say like, oh, it makes complete sense that you're a wrestling fan. And then you know, because I remember one of my favorite memories ever was when Terry Funk, uh, and I think it was 1989 or maybe. 91 or something like that where he after the steamboat Ricky steamboat match he pile drove uh, Ric Flair through the table and I knew I knew at that point it was fake and I totally knew it was real at the same time and it was this realization that at the that the same moment it was staged and totally authentic and you know and the way that they artfully brought brought him into the uh, uh, if you if you remember what I'm talking about I think it, I don't it was not after Starcade it was after some match but but it was just it, the way they brought him in the ring, the way they set it up, the way they extended the moment to where it couldn't have been fake, but 
at the same time, I knew as a young, you know, I was like 12 or 13, I was like, look, I know it's not real, it's not real, but I was crying like it was real and, you know, desperate that, for Ric Flair to get his uh, revenge, you know. That that still, that, in, that sort of feeling of, like, being brought into the situation by questioning what you're watching is exactly what I want people to do with my movies, you know. And so it's, so I think, you know, a lot of times pro wrestling fans can be like, oh, I, I completely get it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, it's nice that you, uh, I mean, that you kind of pay tribute to wrestling fans in the way that you describe it, but also, I mean, you know, to bring this back full circle, your, your movie Fake It So Real is, um, I think one of my favorite things about it as a wrestling fan is that is like with what is the level of sort of heart and, um, and pride that that the that the wrestlers have, and that you as a filmmaker sort of put on exhibit. You know, you're, there's no there's not the wink that like we all oh this is bullshit. There's not, um, you know, it it doesn't feel it feels like that you're that you're in it with them and that you take it seriously. And I, and as your friend, I know that's true. But I think that that's even some of the best wrestling documentaries uh, dwell a little bit too much on the like you know elbow in the ribs he he sort of aspect of the whole thing. Yeah, I mean that's that's you know as, as a fan that's the worst that's the worst part. <laughs> I mean I think you know I mean I, people I look people like wrestling for all kinds of reasons and there's so many reasons to like it. The reason why I like it is because it makes me because it's art. I mean because I, I I watch it like I watch any kind of art and I watch it like and it's my favorite you know and except for maybe movies it's my favorite art form because it brings up all these things that I actually care about in the world and uh, and it and even when it's like. I, you know, even when it's really, you know, bad, quote unquote, or like, and I don't mean bad, like as in Matt Hardy bad, like, I mean, like <laughs> as in, you know, terrorists you know, attacking the undertaker. Uh, and, and like, even when it's like that, you're like, uh, wait, there's something to this form that is like we- weird and problematic and also like exhilarating and scary sometimes in in ways that there's no other art form and what i i mean in fake it's so real they, the best part is that th- th- those guys don't necessarily talk about it like this. They're they're doing it, and they're and they're working class dudes who are like bringing themselves. You know, they have to do everything themselves. They don't. They're not making money doing this, and so those ideas just come through their actions. They're not sitting around pontificating about it like we're doing right now. They're doing it. They're, they live it, and they believe in it, and believe in themselves. And and so there's it, it's really it's really grounded in their realities. But at the same time, I think it does sort of scratch that itch of like if you if you think about if you get excited about some of these things in wrestling if you get excited when you're you're definitely sure that Shawn Michaels is going to break his back at SummerSlam 2002 and like he's totally real and this is just an ego bur- you know it was something like that if you if those are the things that excite you if your favorite matches are the ones where you're not sure what's real and what's not then the movie might just like you know get get in there uh, get in your brain a little bit yeah I think you're totally right well. Well, um, you you mentioned SummerSlam, um, you know, '92, but I but I know that you're still paying attention. We got a SummerSlam coming up this weekend. What do you have? Do you have any predictions uh, for for? Um, I guess we have Ambrose versus Ziggler for for the WWE title, and and Ray, uh, Rollins versus uh, Finn Balor for this new Universal title, or anything else too. What what are your thoughts on the show? I mean, it, it seems crazy that they would do build up Finn Balor so much. 
to watch him lose. Uh, so, I mean, maybe the clubs are going to come out and help him. We're going to get the Ballard Club finally. I, I don't know. I, but it also seems like totally possible that they want, you know, the new title, which is the worst name of titles in history, which I know you've already talked about many times. <laughs> Literally the dumbest. I mean, it's. I mean, everything Daniel Bryan said about it is completely right. You know, I, I love that he was like shooting on that. But, but, uh, but I mean, it, it, so Rollins could win, become like he was the first NXT champion. He could be the first. I mean, I can't even say the word. I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna say universal champion. That just sounds like so dumb. It hurts. Uh, but I, actually, I, I'm gonna predict. Finn, I, I'll make a prediction that Finn Balor will win the title. And I can't imagine that they're gonna give Dolph Ziggler the, the WWE title. I mean, I just. I think that this is one of those feuds where it's like, let's just pad this. Let's. You know, they probably thought they were gonna take the title off of Dean Ambrose, and they're probably now they're thinking, let's just pad this guy for a couple months and give him something, and then build up to something. Hopefully more meaningful, but I've actually liked what they've done with with Dolph. I think it's, I mean, it feels like about three and a half years too late, but it's, uh, it, I'm I'm excited to at least watch him have a character which he hasn't had before. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So well, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The great thing about Dolph is that is that it's it's supposed three and a half years too late, but it feels like it was just yesterday. Like like his entire. His, like, if you told me that he was in a team with Biggie and AJ like nine months ago, I would kind of believe you. I'd be like, doing, I'd be doing the math in my head, but like, I'd be like, yeah, that's possible, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it all the, like it's time. Time is not a time doesn't exist for Dolph Ziggler, and that's both for well, uh, for better for worse. He's been put in a in a chamber and he's just been frozen. I mean, he even kind of looks like he's been put in a chamber. That that chin, you know, it's like he just like you know, like that's it. He's he just comes out and his pants have definitely changed. He's and he's definitely started to ape uh, Shawn Michaels more and more every day. But he's, but nevertheless, yeah, you're. I think you're right. Yeah, he is. The, he's reverse. He, he's like the ben, it's the Benjamin Button thing, except he's like reverse aging into 1996 Shawn Michaels. It's very strange. Um, I mean, I will say, I will say, I will say, I think. Randy Orton. I think Randy Orton's going to win against Brock Lesnar. I really, I, I think they got to make a statement with a win. And I think, like they, I think they, Orton looks a little bit like he cares for for once. Sure. And so I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to hit hit an RKO, and it's going to be it's going to be pretty good. I, I, I would really like that to happen. That's my that's my thing. I most want to happen, which I, which obviously before you know before all the bad news came, I didn't think I wanted that guy to lose. But now I definitely want Orton to win. Well. I don't know if you saw the if you saw Ambrose on Austin's podcast, although I'm, I'm guessing you probably took a look at it. But it's it, he yeah, he he alluded to uh, you know he alluded to some of Brock's lack of WrestleMania preparation or or, or at least uh, lack of engagement prior to WrestleMania. And um, yeah, I mean it's just one of the it's like it, it's almost at this point like you know when you hear when you hear a, a dirt sheet write about like somebody getting beat up backstage like that guy's that guy can't win because it just sort of like puts the lie to the whole thing at this point Lesnar <laughs> yeah. with, with everything that's happened to Lesnar in the you know kind of off camera in the past month um it would just be such a weird decision to put him over but you know weirder things have happened in WWE yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like they, I almost feel like there could be a locker. I mean, we don't know. I mean, it's all hearsay, really, but there could be so, some sort of revolt because I think people are genuinely pissed off. As someone else wrote, uh, someone, some other dirt sheet writer said, you know, like he, Ambrose wouldn't have said that stuff on that podcast if he didn't feel like he was going to have, like they were going to have his back. You, you normally wouldn't be able to say, 
Yeah, Lesnar, the the richest guy. I mean, the, one of the biggest names and the and the cash cow and all that. You know, supposedly cash cow. We don't even know if he's actually a cash cow, but uh, he's lazy. I mean, he said the word lazy, which is like pretty intense criticism. So I, I I don't know. I feel like I feel like this is the time. Have Randy Orton hit that thing, hit his RKO. Uh, and then, and then maybe they can actually then do something interesting with Lesnar again, you know. Um, and they certainly can help elevate Orton, which I think is necessary for for SmackDown. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting. I mean, I'm 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 artificially exciting myself for like this Randy Randy Orton, like then this stage of his career. It's probably like every other stage that I've been excited for. Gonna have a. You know. disappointment. Oh, no, it's yeah. not, not a disappointment. It's just that there's a there's a you know there's an expiration date on my excitement. I just sort of I get really stoked for about three months and then you know I move on to I move on to something else. Um, then he's wrestling Sheamus, and then you're like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm also a Sheamus fan. I try to keep my spirits up by uh, by, by by you know look on the bright side of all these things. Anyway, thank you so much for for uh, getting on the phone with me, man. I'm sure. Um, I hope everybody listening to this checks out Fake It So Real. Say the website one more time. It's uh, factory25.com, uh, and you can find Fake It So Real on there. Uh, Factory 25 is all written out. And Kate Please Christine comes out uh, in New York August 24th, um, and it's coming to L.A. Uh, September 16th, which I will be out there. So if you're out there, we should uh, we should get, get a beer or something. All right. We, let's have – I'll have you call into the podcast next week so we can make plans. We'll have, we'll just have like the we'll, – we'll have the beer <laughs> – a beer set scheduling segment every week on this podcast. It's the only time to get you on the phone is through the podcast. I, I see this. This is you're very busy. Guy. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you and my mom should have a conversation about it. You know? um, thank you so much, man. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. That's the show. Thanks to Dave Schilling. Thanks to Sam Donsky. Thanks to the wonderful Robert Green. Thanks to Tate and Joe and Isabella and uh, the Godfather Bill Simmons. The Masked Man Show will be back next week after SummerSlam. Be sure to check it out, humanoids.